Life is complex. Join us for the simple gifts of wisdom, love, and delight in the written word. Plato's Dialogue, The Euthyphro, Part 3 But enough of this. As I perceive that you are lazy, I will myself endeavor to show you how you might instruct me in the nature of piety, and I hope that you will not grudge your labor. Tell me, then, is not that which is pious necessarily just? Yes. And is, then, all which is just pious? Or is that which is pious all just, and that which is just only in part, and not all pious? I do not understand you, Socrates. And yet I know that you are as much wiser than I am as you are younger. But, as I was saying, revered friend, the abundance of your wisdom makes you lazy. Please to exert yourself, for there is no real difficulty in understanding me. What I mean I may explain by an illustration of what I do not mean. The poet sings, Of Zeus, the author and creator of all things, you will not tell. For where there is fear, there is also reverence. Now, I disagree with this poet. Shall I tell you in what respect? By all means. I should not say that where there is fear, there is also reverence. For I am sure that many persons fear poverty and disease, and the like evils. But I do not perceive that they reverence the objects of their fear. Well, that's very true. But where reverence is, there is fear. For he who has a feeling of reverence and shame about the commission of any action fears and is afraid of an ill reputation. No doubt. Then we are wrong in saying that where there is fear, there is also reverence. And we should say, where there is reverence, there is also fear. But there is not always reverence where there is fear. For fear is a more extended notion, and reverence is a part of fear, just as the odd is a part of number, and number is a more extended notion than the odd. I suppose that you follow me now quite well. That was the sort of question which I meant to raise when I asked whether the just is always the pious, or the pious always the just, and whether there may not be justice where there is not piety, for justice is the more extended notion of which piety is only a part. Do you dissent? No, I think that you are quite right. Then, if piety is a part of justice, I suppose that we should enquire what part? If you had pursued the enquiry in the previous cases, for instance, if you had asked me what is an even number, and what part of number the even is, I should have had no difficulty in replying, a number which represents a figure having two equal sides. Do you not agree? Yes, I quite agree. In like manner, I want you to tell me what part of justice is piety or holiness, that I may be able to tell Miletus not to do me injustice, or indict me for impiety, as I am now adequately instructed by you in the nature of piety or holiness, and their opposites?
piety, or holiness, Socrates, appears to me to be that part of justice which attends to the gods, as there is the other part of justice which attends to men. That is good, Euthyphro. Yet still there is a little point about which I should like to have further information. What is the meaning of attention? For attention can hardly be used in the same sense when applied to the gods as when applied to other things. For instance, horses are said to require attention, and not every person is able to attend to them, but only a person skilled in horsemanship. Is it not so? Certainly. I should suppose that the art of horsemanship is the art of attending to horses. Yes. Nor is everyone qualified to attend to dogs, but only the huntsman. True. And I should also conceive that the art of the huntsman is the art of attending to dogs? Yes. As the art of the ox herd is the art of attending to oxen. Very true. In like manner, holiness or piety is the art of attending to the gods. That would be your meaning, Euthyphro? Yes. And is not attention always designed for the good or benefit of that to which the attention is given? As in the case of horses, you may observe that when attended to by the horseman's art, they are benefited and improved, are they not? True. As the dogs are benefited by the huntsman's art, and the oxen by the art of the ox herd, and all other things are tended, or attended for their good, and not for their hurt. Certainly not for their hurt. But for their good? Of course. And does piety or holiness, which has been defined to be the art of attending to the gods, benefit or improve them? Would you say that when you do a holy act, you make any of the gods better? No. No, that was certainly not what I meant. And I, Euthyphro, never supposed that you did. I asked you the question about the nature of the attention, because I thought that you did not. You do me justice, Socrates. That is not the sort of attention which I mean. Good. But I must ask, what is this attention to the gods which is called piety? It is such, Socrates, as servants show to their masters. I understand. A sort of ministration to the gods. Exactly. Medicine is also a sort of ministration or service, having in view the attainment of some object. Would you not say of health? I should. Again, there is an art which ministers to the shipbuilder with a view to the attainment of some result? Yes, Socrates, with a view to the building of a ship. As there is an art which ministers to the house-builder with a view to the building of a house? Yes. <laughs> and now tell me, my good friend, about the art which ministers to the gods. What work does that help to accomplish? For you must surely know, if, as you say, you are of all men living, the one who is best instructed in religion. And I speak the truth, Socrates. Tell me then, oh, tell me, what is that fair work which the gods do by the help of our ministrations? Hmm. Many and fair, Socrates, are the works which they do. Why, my friend, and so are those of a general, but the chief of them is easily told. Would you not say that victory in war 
is the chief of them? Certainly. Many and fair, too, are the works of the husbandman, if I am not mistaken, but his chief work is the production of food from the earth. Exactly. And of the many fair things done by the gods, which is the chief or principal one? I've told you already, Socrates, that to learn all these things accurately will be very tiresome. Let me simply say that piety or holiness is learning how to please the gods in word and deed by prayers and sacrifices. Such piety is the salvation of families and states, just as the impious, which is unpleasing to the gods, is their ruin and destruction. I think that you could have answered in much fewer words the chief question which I asked, Euthyphro, if you had chosen. But I see plainly that you are not disposed to instruct me. Clearly not. Else why, when we reached the point, did you turn aside? Had you only answered me, I should have truly learned of you by this time the nature of piety. Now, as the asker of a question is necessarily dependent on the answerer, whither he leads, I must follow, and can only ask again, what is the pious, and what is piety? Do you mean that they are a sort of science of praying and sacrificing? Yes, I do. And sacrificing is giving to the gods, and prayer is asking of the gods? Yes, Socrates. Upon this view, then, piety is a science of asking and giving. You understand me capitally, Socrates. Yes, my friend. The reason is that I am a votary of your science, and give my mind to it. And therefore, nothing which you say will be thrown away upon me. Please then to tell me, what is the nature of this service to the gods? Do you mean that we proffer requests and give gifts to them? Yes, I do. Is not the right way of asking to ask of them what we want? Certainly. And the right way of giving is to give them in return what they want of us. There would be no reason in an art which gives to anyone that which he does not want. Very true, Socrates. Then piety, Euthyphro, is an art which gods and men have of doing business with one another. That is an expression which you may use if you like. But I have no particular liking for anything but the truth. I wish, however, that you would tell me what benefit accrues to the gods from our gifts. There is no doubt about what they give to us, for there is no good thing which they do not give. But how can we give any good thing to them in return is far from being equally clear. If they give everything and we give nothing, that must be an affair of business in which we have very greatly the advantage of them. And do you imagine, Socrates, that any benefit accrues to the gods from our gifts? But if not, Euthyphro, what is the meaning of gifts which are conferred by us upon the gods? What else but tributes of honor? And, as I was just now saying, what pleases them? Piety, then, is pleasing to the gods, but not beneficial or dear to them? I should say that nothing could be dearer. Ah, then once again the assertion is repeated, that piety is dear to the gods. Certainly. And when you say this, can you wonder at your words not standing firm but walking away? 
Will you accuse me of being the Daedalus who makes them walk away, not perceiving that there is another and far greater artist than Daedalus who makes them go round in a circle? And he is yourself. For the argument, as you will perceive, comes round to the same point. Were we not saying that the holy or pious was not the same with that which is loved of the gods? Have you forgotten? I quite remember. And are you not saying that what is loved by the gods is holy? And is not this the same as what is dear to them? Do you see? True. Then either we were wrong in our former assertion, or, if we were right then, we are wrong now. Yes, Socrates, one of the two must be true. Then we must begin again and ask, what is piety? That is an enquiry which I shall never be weary of pursuing as far as in me lies. And I entreat you not to scorn me, but to apply your mind to the utmost and tell me the truth. For if any man knows, you are he, and therefore I must detain you like Proteus until you tell. If you had not certainly known the nature of piety and impiety, I am confident that you would never on behalf of a serf, have charged your aged father with murder. You would not have run such a risk of doing wrong in the sight of the gods, and you would have had too much respect for the opinions of men. I am sure, therefore, that you know the nature of piety and impiety. Speak out, then, my dear Euthyphro, and do not hide your knowledge. Oh, another time, Socrates. I'm in a hurry and must go now. Alas, my companion, and will you leave me in despair? I was hoping that you would instruct me in the nature of piety and impiety, and then I might have cleared myself of Miletus and his indictment. I would have told him that I had been enlightened by Euthyphro, and had given up rash innovations and speculations, in which I indulged only through ignorance, and that now I am about to lead a better life. Tis the gift to be simple, tis the gift to be free, tis the gift to come down where we ought to be, and when we find ourselves in the place just right, t'will be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend, we will not be ashamed. To turn, turn, will be our delight, till by turning, turning, we come round right.